Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's Insight Assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Media Podcast Network. Well, hello there, everybody. We missed you. Welcome back to a brand new edition of On to the Next One. The matchmaking crowns are back on following a rare week off from ufc competition we had ufc vegas 80 saturday night at the world's most famous apex and boy oh boy did bobby green show up to play spoiler in the main event as a massive betting underdog against grant dawson who hasn't tasted defeat in a very very long time at least that is until saturday night but thank you for joining us i am mike heck Happy to be back here. And joining me as always, the co-host, the co-matchmaker, the prince of positivity. Gosh darn it, he's my best friend. Hello again, Alexander K. Lee, AK. It's good to see you again, my friend. Oh, hi, Mike. Yes, my best friend. I missed you. I missed the people. I kind of missed the UFC, I guess. Uh I I, I kind of miss Bellator too. Um, but you know, I, I wish I wish we were here to you know, continue like the momentum of like a scintillating Saturday night. You know, people just, I'm trying to picture people just like waiting to tune in. Like, oh, I can't wait to hear what they say about UFC Vegas 80 and Bellator 300. Those cards were so good. And I just want to listen to it and talk about it. Um, I don't know if that's the case with a lot of people who witnessed one or both of those cards. I mean, if Bobby Green didn't do what he did, this might have been one of the most least memorable weekends in the history of major MMA. Honestly, Bellator had a historic event, Bellator 300. It was not great. The prelims took forever. There were postlims. There were three title fights in the main card. The first fight was not good at all between Liz Carbush and Lima Lane McFarlane. We knew it probably wouldn't be good because of the relationship. It was actually five times worse than that. If we're being honest, and it's the ending made it even worse because Leland McFarlane got badly injured. That was, Chris, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> that was the worst. 
we had i think i, I want to say it was steven the, the the wonderful steven morocco i think in our slack chat who said th- this could be a replay of uh sorry who are those who are those pfl gentlemen again um Monfio and, and uh Nathan Schulte yeah best friends in that case they're being forced to fight each other sort of not forced but you know they, it's not a fight they wanted they kind of had to do it this one was like a fight that Alima and Liz had been talking about wanting for a long time long time training partners great friends and I and, and so that part gave me some optimism Mike that they'd be like well I'm sure their sparring sessions are pretty heated so if they can bring some of that to you know television it could be a decent fight there should be some good exchanges in there instead we got the worst case scenario where it looked like a like mediocre sparring session and somehow one of the participants still got injured uh hopefully nothing serious but it definitely looked painful definitely looked like a forgettable and regrettable moment for lima lay mcfarland so and it's very sad because this might be it's probably her retirement fight and what a down note to go out on on what was otherwise, I think, a, a really nice career in Bellator. But yeah, that, that that could not have gone, that could not have gone worse. No, it couldn't have. I mean, like maybe the only thing that could have gone worse is that we went to a fifth and final round and we got an extra five minutes of it because it was it was really that bad. I mean, it was really <laughs> that tough to watch. Mm. And I mean, look, Liz Cummers gets it done. She mm-hmm. has not really been the most exciting fighter in the sport, but. She's still the champion. I guess that's all that matters at the end of the day. Chris Cyborg just annihilates Katzenganu. That fight was not competitive at all. And then the main event was just as not competitive, if not more non-competitive, between Usman Nurmagomedov and Brent Premis. Usman Nurmagomedov did not struggle for even one second in that fight. And it was just one-way traffic. And it was one of those fights where Usman just kind of styled on Brent. He just kind of got bored of just doing the game plan. He was like, you know what? I might have to fight Alexander Shabley. I'm going to try some new stuff and just see how it plays out. And it was just, a, I mean, it was like a warm-up fight. It was, it, Usman Nurmagomedov treated this like a warm-up fight for for the finals. And it's very tough to do that to a guy like Brent Premis, but not the most exciting capper to a historic card. At the end of the day, I just don't feel like UFC 300 is going to give us the same feeling that we had in the aftermath of Bellator 300 AK. Even uh, even Vegas 80 was, for the most part, actually not a bad card, uh, and certainly more entertaining in its entirety than Bellator 300. So yeah, I mean, if we're we can't we're not even going to compare Bellator 300 to whatever UFC 300 is going to offer. UFC 300 could book like you know six or seven blockbuster fights. Half those fights could fall through. And the roster is just so deep and the star power is so is so big that you're still going to end up with a massive car. Is, look at UFC 200, right? They lo- we lost they lost uh, John Jones and Cormier, right? And, you know, it happened later, but there was a Jones-Cormier fight on there. I think they lost something else as well. And then it still was like a, a mammoth card. Brock Lesnar still fought. Uh, Amanda Nunes uh, fought... Uh, Misha. Misha, yeah, Amanda Nunes fought Misha. It was it, it was a big card. It was, it was still a big card. It, it wasn't as big as it could have been. No, same thing what happened at 300. Uh, Bell 300, Bellator 300 definitely was not as big as it could have been. We lost Bader at the beginning of the week. We lost uh, uh, the Malima Lynn McFarlane. Liz Carmouche fight became a non-title fight. There was just so many fights. We, we've been saying this, I think, for the last three or four Bellator cards. And the last one, I had like 20 fights on or something. And I, I get it. It's not like you have to watch every fight. I mean, we in the media, we do tend to watch most of them. 
it's not like uh the, it's not like the fans have to be there from the first fight so you know it's not like this thing where oh my god fans are there watching 15 you know 15 to 20 fights you know a lot of them are those people who are there for those fights are friends and family of the of the fighters and will just show up to watch their fighter and may watch the main card so you know it's not as bad as it sounds but boy belt 300 looked not super great on paper by the time fight night rolled around and it played out in in pretty dull fashion i, I want to say about usman he's not a boring fighter by the i don't think he's a boring fighter i think he might be getting a reputation for it um he actually like you know he has some good finishes in there he just doesn't need to take the risk to go for a finish uh which is unfortunate i would love to see him take more risks but why why if you're dominating fights like i, I think he could have finished patricky pitbull but guess what he was friggin' dominating that fight why would he ever risk putting himself in any position to give his opponent even the slightest sliver of a chance of a comeback? And same with Brent Primus. Why, why overextend himself? Why do more on the ground than he needs to and get caught by submission or caught by something weird on the feet? He dominated the fight. I mean, there's no... He didn't get a finish, but he dominated. But it's great to say. It's not great to watch. And uh, there was a lot of boos. There's a lot of Bulator chance uh, in that main event, Mike. I mean, it, there were some cool moments. Like, Liam McCourt finishing Sarah McMahon was, was mm-hmm. pretty cool. Uh, Sergio Casio with the comeback submission win against Jesse Roberts. The mounted triangle, that was pretty nasty. Kai Kamaka, Henry Corrales was the best fight on the card. But it wasn't what we expected it no. to be. But big win for Kai. Oh, huge, huge win. Huge win for Kai. Kai is such a talented fighter. And his UFC run was rocky. There was that weird TJ Brown decision. But you know this guy is good. You know this guy is good. I think he's the perfect kind of guy to come through Bellator and then maybe get a call back to uh, the UFC someday, depending what happens with this Bellator PFL merger, uh, or again, or or, or even uh, go to another promotion, go to uh, go to one championship. Go to he, he's he's a really fun fighter, and and uh, I don't know. It was it was a close fight. You probably could have gone either way, but uh, good for. But officially, Kai's the winner. That was that was a big one. And then the other thing I was like super fascinated with was. Slim Trabelsi. It was like, <laughs> finally, Slim Trabelsi get a fight. Like, he's actually walking to the octagon, or not the octagon. He's walking to the cage right now. He's actually going to get into a fight. And I think the fallout of that is going to be super interesting because you best believe there's probably going to be some sort of legal, legal ramifications going on with that. And he goes and fights Davion Franklin. And I'm like, all right, let's see what this guy's made of. And I learned nothing. Learned nothing because Slim did not look very good. And. Then there's like an injury. And then uh, I guess the biggest thing I took away was some Trebelsi should be counting and thanking his lucky stars that he did not debut in the UFC against Paco Porter because he would have got trucked in Abu Dhabi. Um, but man, all joking aside, I really wish you could see more. I, I wish you could take something away from that fight, but I didn't take anything away from that fight. The only thing I really took away from it was Ryan Bader ain't losing any sleep. Over Slim Trebelsi right now. It is unfortunate that a guy like Slim, there was so much drama and backstage stuff and politics around, you know, what was going on with him and the OC and Bellator and uh, Aries. And um, and then he finally gets to fight. You know, we, we were supposed to finally get the relief of, well, at least we can just see what this guy can do. And then we see nothing and it ends in injury. So that that was bad. Uh, I'll point out to also... It was nice. You know what? The first couple of fights were at least vaguely intriguing because uh, as Casey, our, our beloved producer, E. Casey Lydon, uh, pointed out, his pal Spencer Smith, somebody he's trained with, was fighting the highly vaunted former NFL practice squad uh, player, Josh Hockett. And uh, you know, he went about as well as, as 
as people would expect for Spencer and Josh Hoke had won. He was a minus 1,000 favorite or something. So uh, I don't know, maybe one to watch in the heavyweight division. We'll see. He's a young guy. And uh, on the other end of the spectrum, Jenna Bishop, great grappler, getting a bit of a late start to her MMA career, but looked awesome against uh, Alara Juan and uh, dominated for getting a first round submission. So yeah, there's some intrigue at the bottom, but it wasn't anything like really headline worthy. Yeah, I, I like Jenna Bishop. She's yeah. going to be a problem. Yeah. She's going to be a, good, a nice little problem at 125. But yeah, this is a very Bellatory Bellator card. And I guess kudos to 300 events. 301 yeah. on paper looks really, really good. So hopefully yeah. that can come through. And man, I want them to do so well. I really do. I've been trying, shutting from the rooftops, please do the right things. And please just be good. And then... This card happens, and it's just like, oh, man, we, we just want the best to happen. We want you guys to succeed, and it's just not working. So They should, they, they should always put Cyborg last also. I think I, I love Usman. Usman might be their number one pound-for-pound fighter. Like, I get it. Him, Johnny Eblen, like, you know, you can make case for these guys on a pound-for-pound list. One of them is, is the highest-ranked Bellator fighter. But Cyborg always brings the excitement, is almost always going to get a finish. She is one of your – probably your most – famous fighter still you gotta close with her you gotta you gotta forget like in moments like this like meritocracy and like and even that meritocracy she was still deserved to be at the top she's a freaking one of the greatest fighters of all time so i understand why to showcase usman uh but his matchup with brent on paper always looked like it was going to be not built for excitement and they got it they, this is like you said this is things that they there's a lot of things they can't control these are things they can they can control, and it's they do strange stuff like this all the time with some of the the positioning of the fights and the timing of the fights, and that was annoying to watch. Uh, UFC Vegas eighty, Mike, I liked it. You liked it, yes. It, it wasn't bad. It wasn't once, bad. Once you got past the first few pre, listen, this is what prelims they structured the prelims perfectly. This happened with the last card as well. I think I think with like first two or three, four prelims were like, you know, kind of forgettable, but that's okay. Those are prelims. This is where you that's where you're supposed to put those fights. Where people, you know, might not tune in right away. So, you know, props to JG Aldrich, Arichi Lang, and uh, Vanessa Demopoulos for gutting out decision wins. Good stuff. You know, not super memorable fights, but they got wins. And then we got finish from Nate Manis. I thought Carolina um, Diana Belbito was a good fight. And seeing the Carolina uh, Kovalkiewicz resurgence is amazing. And then I like the main card. Bill Algio, I find fascinating. I, I thought he fought so well against Hernandez. Uh, Drew Dober, first round finish. Mike, somehow you're the only one in our staff to call that. I don't know why. I guess I That's thought crazy. I, I picked a Ricky Glenn upset. So I was way like decision, decision <laughs> win. I was way out of the box. I didn't see what the other guys picked. I assume they picked Do- Dober, but just not in the first round. Um, so for, somehow you're the only one who went there. And uh, Joaquin Buckley, I thought a very good performance against Alex Morano, who's tough. Joe Pfeiffer, just bullying. Uh, Abdul Razak Al Hassan, and then as you mentioned, Bobby Green, really uh, having by far the most memorable moment of the weekend. So I, I actually thought Vegas, but Vegas, I would give a solid B minus, and I mean that as a compliment. Yeah, I was gonna say B minus C plus, mm-hmm. which isn't bad. Like these Apex cards are not meant to be A's; they're not meant to even they really be, be B pluses. No. So if you get a B minus out of that, it's not bad. Ten like, fights. That's, that's not bad. Ten fights versus what? Beltor sixteen. Ten fights. It was a it was a pretty brisk view. I'm not gonna lie. Like it went down real easy. It did. Uh, a shame we lost Lens Kuchalaba. Hopefully everything's everything is okay with uh, Philippe Lens. He had an Ill, some sort of illness. Uh, he's had a lot of 
canceled fights, uh, many on his end, a few on his opponent's end, and hopefully everything's all right with him. But that 10 is a nice number. That Perfect. landed really well. Yeah. <laughs> and, that was, and that was even like a 40-minute delay before the first fight. Like, it just seemed like once it got going, it just got going. It yeah. just kept going. While the Bellator card, it just felt like... <laughs> It just felt like I watched fights for 14 hours. Did you like, mention the post lifts? Did you mention the post We talked oh, about the freaking post lifts. My favorite thing was in our Slack channel, and Jose talked about this, I think, on the post fight show, was that he goes, he goes, I feel like it's been an hour between fights. And then Casey, who was there, he goes, it's been less than 10 minutes from the final <laughs> bell of the, of the co-main event. But that's just what it felt like because every promo video for each fight was like eight minutes. I'm just like, golly, like UFC is just like, boom, 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 boom. We're getting into it. Like maybe there's a promo like, oh, here's the main card for UFC 294. Cool. By the way, now we're, now we're already getting to the next fight. I don't know. I, I don't want to just continue to dump on Bellator. No. Like, they try. They're triers, but yeah. we could do better. But I wanted to note, because we talked about it before the show, that you, you guys did a Bellator 300 UFC Vegas 80 post-fight show, you, Shaheen, and Jose, right? Yes. And... <laughs> That was ongoing while the post limbs, the Bellator 200 post limbs were going. There was three post limbs. They all went to a decision. And by the time you guys signed off, there was still one post limb, either, I think, to go or that, that hadn't finished yet. So that's amazing. Yeah. And we had to wait 15 minutes before we even started the post-fight show. And then still got through it before the post was <laughs> over. But uh, let's get to UFC Vegas 80. Let's oh, get yes. to why we're here. The matchmaking. Right. Yeah. Under the the matchmaking. I think a lot of us are expecting to matchmake for... Grant Dawson here. It just felt like this is a really good matchup for him. And I, w- I think I was one of the few people on the preview show who was like, I think Grant's going to win, but like Bobby Green could win this fight. And the way I thought he would win was if this fight gets extended, if we go to rounds four and five, maybe Grant starts to fade. Bobby starts to turn it on. Maybe Grant tries to go for too many submissions and can't get him because Bobby Green's really tough to submit. Bobby Green's just like, nope, forget that noise. I'm just going to knock him out with like the third exchange of the fight. And it just seemed like Bobby Green knew this was going to happen, even after that weird ceremonial weigh-in back and forth. And then when Grant Dawson got into the cage and Bruce Buffer did the intros, like Grant Dawson, smile on his face, goes over to dap Bobby Green. Bobby Green's like, nope, nothing to do with it. And you can almost see it in Grant's face. He's like, this is different. This is different. And then... I kind of knew Grant was in trouble immediately because Grant was throwing haymakers. Looked like he was going to try to knock Bobby out. And you could just see kind of look in Bobby's face like, oh, man, this is what we're doing. This is the kind of fight we're going to have. And then Bobby just absolutely lamped him. 33 seconds in, massive win for Bobby Green. There's a lot of ways we can go with this, AK. I'm very curious to see what you landed on for Bobby Green, who may just be come Tuesday, at least in the UFC's rankings, a top 10 lightweight in the world. Yeah, I guess he would have to be. Uh, So the way my rankings worked is I dropped Dawson down for the loss and then uh, put Bobby Green ahead of him. So so now both guys are outside of the top 10. Uh, I think I don't I don't think I had Dawson in there either. I think I think Dawson was behind Drew Dober. No, no, no. I had him uh, behind Moicano, maybe. Anyway, uh, Bobby Green might be the most dangerous man at 155 pounds right now because he does not give an f about anything <laughs> except making cashing checks and just beating people's asses. He doesn't care. He took that. Remember, he took that Islam fight on like short notice. He had nothing 
He had nothing. He had uh, he had almost no chance of winning that fight. But he also had nothing to lose. Like if by some chance he upset Islam, it wouldn't like the craziest thing ever. And we wouldn't even be talking about Islam as, as lightweight champion now. He got bulldozed. That's fine. He took the fight in short notice. He doesn't care. He got paid. Uh, same with Grant Dawson. He knows he's a he's a big underdog going his way. Do you think he cares? He has almost fifty pro. Bobby Green's been fighting forever. He does not care about rankings. He does not care about. Oh no! If I lose, I'm on a three fight losing streak. For he doesn't care. He doesn't care unless it gets him released. I think that's the only thing that would that would matter to him. But at this point, he he doesn't care about fighting tough competition. He's not afraid to lose. Losing doesn't mean anything to him. And as we said, in a circumstance like this, where maybe Grant Dawson was wasn't at his best or didn't have his best game plan, Bobby Green will f you up. He, he like, knocked him out with a straight jab or something. It was, like, a straight jab, and it hurt him so badly. It wasn't even – it wasn't a loaded-up power shot. It was just so accurate, so well-timed, beautifully set up. And you saw Grant Dawson was just – once he got hit, he just went down. Like, he went down. He did not want – the referee gave him a chance, but he was – I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if he had a broken orbital or something from that one punch. Like, he was hurt bad. Um, that or he was just so rattled by that shot. Uh, so, th- I, said th- I said this before, like, it's – this should move Dawson one step closer, but when you when you can't get fights with those top ten guys, those top twelve guys, it sucks because it's nothing but dangerous fighters at one fifty five, and something like this happens, and then it screws up your whole plans, right? Because if he'd won, he probably stays on track for a potential title shot in twenty twenty four. Now he probably spends twenty twenty four building himself back up for a potential title shot in twenty twenty five. That's how rough it is at lightweight, and he had won again undefeated in, in uh, nine straight fights, right? It's brutal, man. This game is. This game is not easy, but congrats to Bobby Green. He was he was fantastic on Saturday night. So uh, I'm going to go with what I saw a lot of people shouting out in a fight that I think we've called for previously. Uh, Dan Hooker, I think Dan Hooker's the way to go. I'd be very just. It's one of those fights where I'd be very disappointed if both the, if these guys did not fight at some point in their career. So if we can get that sooner rather than later, uh, let's do it. To give a little context on these two guys' careers, Bobby Green. A month before Grant Dawson made his professional debut, beat Josh Thompson at UFC on Fox 12 in July of 2014. And that was his 28th pro fight. So he had 28 pro fights before Grant Dawson had one pro fight. Insane. That's freaking wild, man. That is absolutely nuts. Absolutely nuts. Bobby Green, kudos to him. This was a. It's tough to say because on BTL, like when we do the Q and A's, and I think you've been there for a couple of these as well, AK, and I believe this is something you've been a part of, at least conversing with us at some point. When asked like who could be the next Mazadal, the guy who just sort of breaks out, who's like a veteran that people like and want to see do well, and then all of a sudden light like they catch lightning in a bottle and it happens. Bobby Green was always the guy we landed on. And I feel like this could be the beginning of it. This could be the beginning of it. And I think the UFC, even though I think they saw the upside in Grant Dawson as a fighter, I think the UFC brass after the ending of this is like, oh shit, we got something here. Like we really have something here. This is probably the best result they could have hoped for. And if you're the Rafael Fazeev's, the Matush Gamrot's, the Armin Sarukins of the world, you are probably shaking in your boots a little bit right now because I think the UFC is going to give Bobby Green a big push here. I think they're going to try to fast track him through everybody real fast. And while I love the Dan Hooker fight, 
And boy, do I appreciate you, Hinata Moikano, for stepping in and trying to do things. Hinata, you have no chance of getting this fight. I mean, absolutely none. Zippo, zero chance of getting this fight. Dan Hooker, maybe. I don't, I actually don't dislike either of them. However, I think they're going to give Bobby Green a big step up, and I'm all for it. UFC 296, December 16th. This could be the featured prelim. Bobby Green versus, versus Matush Gamrot. Let's do it. Matush Gamrot can probably fight in December. He's going to weigh in as the backup for the title fight in October because there's nobody else available. Let's do Bobby Green versus Matush Gamrot at UFC 296. If Bobby Green beats Matush Gamrot, if he goes out and knocks out Matush Gamrot, they might just give him a freaking title shot, dude. Like, he might just get a title shot after that. I love this idea. I think we just got to get, we got to see if we can get there. Who cares? Like, if he beats Dan Hooker, so what? Then he's going to have to fight Gamrot anyway, so let's just skip all that. We'll have Hooker and Moicano fight each other. They can get after it. Let's do Bobby Green versus Matush Gamrot. Let's see if we can get Bobby Green to a title. Bobby Green to a title shot in 2024, AK. 2023 has been the year of chaos, Mike. So Bobby Green definitely should want to get this fight in before, you know, the clock strikes 12 on December 31st. Because that it would just fit in perfectly. It it would be like in any other year, it'd be like one of the most shocking, three most shocking results if, you know, Bobby Green just starts Matthias Gamrot. This year, it would be like somewhere in the top 10. There's just so much weirdness and stuff that has happened. Uh, I love it. I love the idea. Um, yeah, again, a Gamrot, again, he said that he's the backup for the uh, the uh, Islam uh, Oliveira fight. Dana White kind of half confirmed it last night. He was like, oh, he said that? Okay, well, I guess he is. Um, <laughs> but it does make a lot of sense if he is. And then, assuming nothing goes wrong, uh, he should be ready to fight in December. Of course, the, the Faseeb fight uh, ending unceremoniously and Gamrot not really taking any damage in that one. So, I love that, Mike. I would love to see Bobby Green pull that off and, yes, fulfill his Masvidalian destiny. Uh, maybe he could wait. Maybe he could wait for like January, February. Maybe some of this chaos energy will trickle over into the new year. But I think it'd be so fitting if it happened in December. So uh, I'm all in on that. Yeah, well. both guys didn't take a ton of damage. No. Bobby Green only fought for 33 seconds. Let's do it. Let's do it. If Bobby Green can win that fight, he's not going to be the fighter of the year. But he's going. He has a good chance of being in the top five. Definitely. Would you have thought that at, in April no. after the Jared Gordon no contest? <laughs> Goes up, finishes Tony Ferguson, finishes Grant Dawson in 33 seconds, and then could and then maybe has a win over Matush Gamrot to wrap up the year? Holy cow, dude. It is so funny how these things how these things work out. And it should be Bobby Green. He should be the next guy to pull off this this uh, resurgence. So fingers crossed for, for you, Bobby. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Hey, maybe it pays to be Bobby Green right now, just like it pays to be Joe Pfeiffer, AK. Wow. Look at that. Joe Pfeiffer just doing Joe Pfeiffer things, I thought. He was going to 
not standing arm triangle for Abdul Razak Al-Assam, but it started as a standing arm triangle, and then he kind of like bullied him to the ground, and I thought he was going to get that finish, that head and arm choke, whatever the freak that thing was. Didn't happen. We get these two guys getting after, and then once we got over the five minute and 30 second mark, we knew Abdul Razak Al-Assam was about to lose the fight, because he always loses if he gets past that time frame. And then Joe Pfeiffer just puts him to sleep. Nasty choke, gets it done. Referee should have stopped it way sooner. Instead, we had to watch Abdul Razak Al-Hassan kind of go into convulsions on the mat before the referee finally stepped in and stopped the fight. But, man, Joe Pfeiffer from getting on the Contender Series and wowing Dana White and getting the big speech about B. Joe Pfeiffer after losing in his first Contender Series fight, all of a sudden, 3-0 inside the UFC, three finishes, including... A win over Gerald Mearshart, which is always sort of the step to see if you're going to fight a top 20 guy next. He takes, a, in my opinion, a big step back in the rankings to fight Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. NAK, I'm ready for a big step up for Mr. Joe Pfeiffer. There was a fighter on this card who said, I don't care who I fight. I just want to be in a main event. And I appreciate the gusto. I actually think Joe Pfeiffer has a better chance of getting a main event fight in his next one than this other individual. But there is a main event coming up, AK. November 18th, inside the hallowed apex between Brennan Allen and Paul Craig. I want to see Joe Pfeiffer fight the loser of that fight. Loser of that fight versus Joe Pfeiffer. That is about as apexy of a main event as you can get. I would be totally fine if, if Pfeiffer gets a headline spot. But if Pfeiffer versus Craig would work. Pfeiffer versus Brendan Allen would work. I, I'm not ready to like just shoot him into the top 10 just yet, but I need to see him fight one of these two guys next. That's where I'm at. I think Pfeiffer has to headline an Apex card. I mean, ideally not an Apex card. I would love it if there was, uh, if, you know, I don't know, he doesn't fight until 2024. They actually line up some, you know, one of those nice road shows. Again, I know they're not in any rush to start booking those regularly again. You know, we had nice trips to Nashville this year and stuff like that. So I wish he, I wish he could headline one of those cards. Where's where he from? Where's Joe Barber from? It's a Philly guy, isn't he? He's a Philly guy. If they could do a, if they could do a card in Philly, gosh, that'd be wonderful if he'd headline that. Though I wonder if they would maybe want. That's the paradox. If they went to Philly, they'd probably want a bigger name at the top. Um, but you have him as the co-main, and then you know, I guess if anything happens to the main, he slides in. But I, I think he is building up enough buzz that you could have him uh, headline that show, a Philadelphia show. But again, uh, it depends who else is available. So, I but so but yes, if his if his next fight is at the apex, I think he has to be in the top spot. I think he has to be in the top spot. There's a lot of star power here. He loves America, you know. I mean, that's a big, that's a good angle, you know. Every, after he won this fight, oh, America, America. Uh, so well done, Joe Piper. He's finishing fights. He's beating recognizable names, like you said, Gerald Mearshart, uh, Abdul Razak Al Hassan. Not a household name, but a guy. He's been in the UFC for for quite some time. It's a good, it's a good win to have. Uh, and yeah, he just bullied him. He did what you should do with um, Abdul Razak Hassan. You don't get him, give him any chance to really get his offense off. And he is, um, he very quickly becomes the nail if he's doesn't, is not able to finish in the first round. Uh, I went actually weirdly lower ranked. I know this sounds silly. Uh, this win put him ahead of the name I picked, but I want to see if he can finish this guy. If he can finish this choice, then. Then I then I I'm really looking at Piper as like a top ten guy. So I went with Brad Tavares, going with the, another. I know he already passed one litmus test in, in Mearshart. I'm giving him another litmus test. It's almost sort of a stay busy fight. I kind of just want to see what goes on ahead of Piper in the middleweight rankings, 
I have no problem with shooting him up, want giving him a top twenty, top fifteen guy. I understand. Um but this is a I want to see him finish Brad Tavares. And I, I also think Pfeiffer Tavares, while not a super sexy matchup, could be a, an Apex headline. Yeah. I, I thought of Brad Tavares. I think that was the first name that popped into my mind. But I'm like, you know what? I want to go a, a, a step above that. That's I just want to see. I just want to see. And if Joe loses, who cares? Like it's yeah, one it of those. It's a, it does not matter. No, it does not matter if he loses. Let's go to the welterweight division. AK Joaquin Buckley. This dude is getting after it at 170 pounds. I thought Alex Morono was a was a pretty live underdog heading into this fight. I think a lot of people agreed with that sentiment, and Joaquin Buckley was like, I don't care what you have to say, watch this. And I think from a just a start-to-finish X's and O standpoint, this is probably the best overall performance of Joaquin Buckley's career. This is dominant. I thought he 10-8'd Alex Morono in the third round. Just a super impressive performance from Joaquin Buckley. I... You know, he he went after people and said, everyone's doubting me and no one's giving me the credit I deserve, which I think is absolutely ridiculous just because some people feel like, felt like Alex Morona was a live underdog from a betting perspective. Does it mean you're not getting credit? I feel like we got so much of that last night. It drove me insane and it continues to drive me insane. But anyways, AK, Joaquin Buckley did not have a name. He was the guy who wanted the Apex mate or some sort of main event in his next fight. Will you give that to him? Is Joaquin Buckley getting a main event? And uh, either way, who should Numanza fight next? No, I didn't give him a name that I, I, I that would be a reasonable main event. A, a fun fight. I kind of went with a fun fight. Another guy who's shown some promise in 170. I just matched him up with uh, with Carlson Harris. So nothing super sexy. This was like a math. This was like I just did math. I just looked at the rankings and like, well, here's why I have Carlson at 170. Here's why I have Buckley now at 170 after um, going two and zero since since dropping back down to the division. Uh, so I don't have much to say about that matchup. I do want to say I was very high on Buckley's potential as a contender at 185, though it became very clear the size was always going to be a problem. He's he's a short, he's a very short 185er. Obviously ripped, stacked to hell, but height wise, it's just that's going to be a problem. So 170, we all want to see him drop back down to this, this division. This is where he belongs. I honestly think he can be a top 10 guy. I genuinely think he can fight for a world title someday. I'm not saying I'm predicting him to be a world champion, but you can convince me he can string together two or three wins or like a four and one stretch, um, depending on who's the champion, depending how the top of welterweight looks at the time, like in 2024 or early 2025. I think he can do it. I love what you said, Mike, that like we didn't listen, we didn't get the big Joaquin Buckley KO, but it was such a mature, composed performance. I guess the guy who's who's pretty tough to finish. I think Alex Brown's like thirty something fights. He's only been knocked out uh, a few times. Um, he's not he's not easy to finish. And uh, Buckley almost got him out. I feel like a couple of times. And the fact that he's like doesn't he doesn't overdo it. He's showing maturity. He can win a, a dominating decision like that. That to me tells me more than if he had just again sort of caught him with something in, in the second round. I still want to see that. I still think we we'll, we have a lot more Joaquin Buckley highlights in the future. But I'm loving what I've seen so far from 170, and, and I think he's in the right place. So I'm just, I'm just still kind of building him up, and uh, sort of what I do with Joe Pfeiffer, and just let it, giving him an opponent that lets him, uh, that we get a, be- a, a even better gauge of where he is in this division, and 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 you know let some of the names in front either you know shake up, maybe fall down into his path. So I put this out on Twitter because uh, there are a lot of people who liked Joaquin Buckley's post fight promo. I didn't love it. I didn't love it again because I the whole oh no one thinks I'm good 
stuff is just ridiculous. It's just absolutely insane. But I did put in this, I, the name, once I saw it, I was like, Ooh, this is bad. Like this, I don't think Joaquin Buckley is going to like this name very much, but I actually think it makes a lot of sense. And so the name I went with, and I really think Joaquin Buckley is going to be like, Ooh, I don't know, man. There's a man who's fighting November 4th, not that far from right now, against Eliza Zaleski. And this is a crystal ball pick because I think he's going to go out there and just maul Eliza Zaleski. Uh, Joaquin Buckley is going to have to fight Renat Fakhratin off next. And I think that's, is, that's what we have to do here, AK. I, I have to see this fight because one of these guys is going to emerge as like a top 15 guy, as a guy that's going to take that next step forward. It ain't going to be both these guys. It's going to be one. And only one of them can move forward. The other moves back. The other one isn't going to be hurt terribly badly by a loss here. But if Joaquin Buckley can beat Renat Fakhradinov, then I am, I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm close on Buckley. But he goes out and just beats this nightmare of a man. I mean, you got me over the hump. And at the same token, if Fakhradinov just mauls Joaquin Buckley, that's a huge feather in his cap as well. So I kind of feel like this is the the fork in the road fight that both of these guys need. Of course, Vakratinov has business to attend to less than a month from right now. And I do think he beats Eliza Zaleski pretty easily, even though Zaleski's good. I just think Vakratinov is, is just really, really, really good. Uh, sometime 2024, I think this is the fight we get, AK. I don't know if Joaquin Buckley's going to like it very much. Uh, I like it. I'm, I, you know, Mike, you know I'm a fan of merciless matchmaking. I, I've been very conservative on this particular episode. Maybe the uh, low energy of Saturday Night has carried over to my matchmaking decisions. <laughs> but I, I, I'm a fan of, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm big on not protecting people. I'm not going like, oh, well, this guy's, you know, streaking like one, two in a row. This guy's, one, you know, three and oh. Maybe we should keep them away from each other. No. Nah. No. Nah. If, 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 if they're not going to be thrown in, if you, if you don't have plans to throw either guy into a top 15, top 20 fight, then they got to fight somebody, and you again, you can keep running up, throwing them up against run of the mill people, or you can throw them into a, a shark tank, and uh, that's what you're doing with this uh, Fakhradinov and Buckley matchup, and I'm all for it. Again, I went a little bit uh, more like showcasey for Buckley with a Carlson Harris fight. Not that Carlson Harris is bad, by the way, and Carlson Harris could beat Joaquin Buckley, but I, I definitely went more like a fight where Buckley would probably be like minus two hundred favorite, as opposed to uh, you went the other way, a uh, fight where he'd probably be a plus. Maybe not plus two hundred, but he'd be like plus one eighty five underdog, something like that. Yeah, he'd be, he'd be a, he'd be a, a considerable underdog. A lot of hype behind uh, behind Renat. So yeah, I, th- I think I think either one is, is a good matchup. Let's go to lightweight, AK, the best division in the sport. Drew Dober in one of the weirdest pieces of matchmaking I've seen in twenty twenty three. They match him up against Ricky Glenn, who may not be long for this UFC world at the end. And Drew Dober just runs him in. It was to be expected for me. I just didn't feel like Ricky Glenn had much of a chance in this fight. And Drew Dober, despite getting his gloves grabbed egregiously in this one by Ricky Glenn, just went out and ran him over and took care of business very quickly and cut a nice, wholesome promo in the end. AK, this is this honestly was one of the toughest picks because there's so much going on at lightweight, and Bobby Green winning just kind of wrecked everything in a lot of respects. So this is where I landed, AK. I'm going to put stakes on the fight that you put out into the universe. December 16th, we're getting Patty Pimble versus Tony Ferguson. The winner gets Drew Dober. That's where I'm at. 
That's what I landed on. I don't love oh. it, but that's where I landed on. Like, I think if Patty wins, I think you kind of have to do this fight. And if Tony wins, I think you kind of have to do this fight. So, yeah, winner gets Drew Dober, just because I, I don't know what else to do here. Because I've already match made for pretty much every other lightweight. My best friend, I don't like it. And I don't like what you're trying to do here. <laughs> you have hated... You have hated Patty Pimblet tony Ferguson matchups since day one. And now, now, you're trying to make it sound like, oh, this fight could have... And, and, and trying to turn it into something twisted and wrong because I don't want to see Drew Dober fight. I don't want to see Drew Dober fight Tony Ferguson. I, I don't want to see that. I if think he beats that's... Patty, you don't want to see it? No, I don't know what I don't know what to do with Tony. That's a let's cross that bridge. We can't do it. I haven't even thought of what to do with Tony Ferguson. Should he beat Pat? In a perfect world, he'd retire with a win, but we know that's not going to happen. He's not close to even thinking about that. So, uh, but I don't want to see him fight Dober. I think one thing we liked about the Patty matchup is Patty's you know like not likely to starch him. I mean, he, he's got some raw power in his hands, but he's not a great stand up guy. Um, Drew Dober is the other way, so I, I would hope that doesn't happen. And then. Uh, Patty Dober is definitely a little more interesting. Uh, I, I, of course, I think as with most people would have, would have Dober ranked pretty well ahead of Patty at this point. Um, so I'm not against that, Mike. That that does make some sense. And I wonder if he, if Dober would would call him out um, on like social media after Patty won, or Patty would even maybe call for a fight with him, but maybe not. So that part's not so bad. It's more it's a more interesting than my pick for sure. Uh, I went with uh, Diego Fajeda. Twice these guys have been booked. I I think I've said multiple times i want to see it rebooked i want to see it happen i still want to see it i still think it makes a lot of sense uh diego fajeda is a bit of a tough guy to book for because he just oh he doesn't seem to fight more than like once a year uh he's got a lot of wear and tear on him so i get it he's he, he it's just it's hard for him to get in the cage sometimes but i still want to see it happen i still think it's a good fight it's exciting you throw out in the main car and someone's getting knocked out uh or or possibly submitted if fajeda wins um so that's I, I went. I went with excitement. My my next couple of picks, Mike. You'll see. I kind of went with very familiar, uh, familiar faces. All right. Well, let's get to it right now. Bill Algio, man that you are intrigued by, has a a fun fight with Alexander Hernandez. That was a really fun fight. It was definitely mm-hmm. the probably the best fight of the weekend in MMA, including the Bellator card. This is probably the best and most like exciting and competitive fight of all of them. So I really liked it, but Bill Algeo gets it done. The line movement on that fight was very strange throughout the week. Alexander Hernandez was like, I think he started the week as like a plus 150 underdog. And then as he got closer to Saturday, just emerged as the favorite and like a decently sizable favorite. It just all, seemed all very strange, but Bill Algeo gets it done. Another victory. What do we do for Bill Algeo? You teased excitement. Let's go, AK. How, excite, how excited no. do we get here? I went with this. He 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 mentioned Billy Q. I think Billy Q immediately responded on social media. I've wanted to see this fight for a while. They they were booked at one point uh, for use in ABC card sometime like last summer. Um, yeah, I love this fight. I need to see the Bill Billy matchup. It's just it's just a banger. It's got rankings implications. I think whoever wins climbs comfortably into the top. The UFC's top fifteen. I would hope. Um, I don't think Billy Q's in there yet, but I think one of them, whoever won that fight, would would sneak in there. Very deep division, um, so maybe that's not the case. But as far as getting a good fight and and a perfect main card matchup for a fight night card, even on, I think you put this one on pay per view. I love this matchup. I really want to see it. And Mike, I uh, I want obviously I want your Algeo pick. But if you could also opine on what the hell does Alexander Hernandez do with his career now? 
It's a weird one, man. It's so, a weird one. So someone, someone had asked on Heck of a Morning, they said, who is the Mac Jones of the UFC? Oh, I heard that. I remember that. Yeah, I listened to that, yeah. And there were, like, Sage Northcutt came up, Mickey Gall came up, and I think I ended up landing on Alexander Hernandez. Because Mac Jones came out, had a really good rookie year, and it seemed like, all right, wait, give this guy, like, two, three more years, and, like, he's going to be the best quarterback in the game. And he has just fallen off ever since. Has some good days, has a lot of bad days. Hernandez's career has just been super weird, man. It's just been super weird because he comes in on short notice and knocks out Benil Dariush in less than a round. And you're like, golly, man. And then he has a, a super tough, grimy, but somewhat, to me, it was an impressive win over Olivier Aubin Mercier in Calgary. I remember that card. And he mm-hmm. just, like, he just, kind of ragdolled OAM. And then the Cerrone fight happens and he's wearing the the sweater of of greatness at the press conference and he's just talking a whole bunch of greasiness and Cerrone just kind of memes him forever. Then he fights Francisco Trinaldo in San Antonio, his home city. Most people felt Trinaldo won that fight. Hernandez, Even Hernandez. the decision. Now, yeah. Hernandez's face after when the decision was read was like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh, uh, yeah, great. Okay, I won. I was like, oh, okay. And then yeah. the pandemic happens. You know who he was supposed to fight in, his, in the first fight post-pandemic? Or no, not I even don't. post-pandemic. Like, the first event the UFC was going to have back. You know who Alexander Hernandez was supposed to fight? I don't remember. Islam Makachev. Oh. He was going to fight Islam Makachev. It's a really good thing that fight didn't happen for Alexander Hernandez. He ends up fighting Drew Dober and gets knocked out. Knocks out Chris Gritzmarker. Loses to Tiago Moises, a fight that Alexander Hernandez still to this day feels he won. I don't agree with that. I thought Moises was just so defensively incredible in that fight. Knocks out Mike Breeden. Gets tapped by Moicano. Gets finished by Billy Q. Beats Jim Miller. Yeah. In a pretty good fight. Pretty good, good performance. And then loses to Bill Algio. Like it's returns to featherweight, which might not be a great idea. I know he's not a big lightweight, but it's so weird. You beat Jim Miller, good win. Maybe that puts you back on something at 155. And then to return return to featherweight for another tough fight with Bill Algio with with, the, with one of the featherweight bills. Man, I don't I don't know, man. I, I that Darius thing really like the Darius win and then yes the solid win over OEM, which is aged very well. It really raised expectations so high. And I'm sure he's glad. He's not the kind of guy to back down from a challenge. I'm sure he's like, I'm sure he, after those two wins, was like, yeah, I'm a top 10, like UFC lightweight. Give me top 10 opponents. But he actually hasn't fared well against like really highly ranked guys or top 20, top 25 competitions since that OAM fight. So it's, so we've never quite been able to correct where he is as a, as a prospect. He's still only 31. He doesn't have that much mileage on him. I feel like with the right string of opponents, he could still kind of get back up there, but I just don't know, again, does he still think he's a featherweight? It's it's hard because he's 0-2 now at that division, but it's against good guys, so maybe there are featherweights he can beat. Does he go back to lightweight, which is also a tough division? I have no idea what to do with, with uh, Alexander Hernandez. I think he kind of has to stay at 45 at this point. Oof, boy. It's tough to like keep bouncing back and forth, man. I think you just kind of mm. have to do it. He looked pretty good on the scale. It doesn't look like he's getting completely sucked out. 
in the, during the weight cut. Bill Algier is just a tall, athletic, weird, stylistic matchup. Mm-hmm. And Billy Q, like, he looked really good in the first round against Billy Q. Like, it was a really good first round. But that's kind of, like, the story of Hernandez. Like, the first round is his best round. And if you could get out of that first round, like, I feel like the live betting odds is on the opponent. It's pretty clear cut, but yeah, it's just a very weird career. I, I've talked to Alex about this a bunch where it's almost like, I'm like, do, do you almost wish like the Darius win never happened? Cause you never got the chance to grow up. Like you were immediately a top 10 55er in the UFC in the hardest division in the sport after one fight. And then you get the OAM win. Now you're still a top 10 guy. Like you never got a chance to actually build up. You just, got thrown to the wolves and that's it. And then the Cerrone fight happens, which is kind of one he'll probably never really fully bounce back from in a lot of respects. So yeah, just a really wacky career, man. I don't think like his job's in jeopardy at all. Cause he's a fun fighter. He's competitive more oftentimes than he's not. And even if he loses, like it's, a, it's either a fun fight or he gets after it and gets finished and there's value in getting got really well too. And Alex kind of checks off a lot of those boxes. So I feel like he's going to have a job for as long as he wants it, but I just don't know if he's going to be fighting for any belts or headlining any cards or anything like that. But I still think the UFC is going to keep him around for a hot minute. Yeah, they love him. They love him. He's a healthy guy in great shape, is always ready to fight, fights anyone, can jump in on short notice. He's he's a really good like backbone guy, but you're right. I mean, the the ceiling seems pretty obvious at the moment. But hey, like I said, only 31. Probably still has a few years of his prime left. You never know in this crazy business, but uh, he, he is in limbo right now. I Yeah. I'm not even going to queue up the music. Billy Q is the, was, is the only answer really mm-hmm. here. I, I just think it all aligns, and that's kind of what everybody wants. It just makes perfect sense. So, The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Let's go to the wild card round, AK. This is not a lot to choose from here, if we're being honest. I cheated. From a wild card perspective, you cheated. As I often do with the wild card. I feel like I, I, I if I go back to the archives, I think I, I say I've cheated doing the wild card like many times. Oh, well, fair enough. Uh, so we're going to match make for somebody we have not match made for yet. So we'll do it now. So uh, Cheater Lee, how did you cheat? And uh, who did I just, you land I, on? It's a wild card pick I've done before. I've, ah. done, I've done this pick before. I wanted to match up Carolina Kovalkiewicz with Loma Lukbunmi. I think this was, I think I've done it three times, actually. I think I did it after Carolina's most recent win. I think I did it after Loma's most recent win. And now I'm doing it again. I, did, I want to see this fight. Great alliteration battle. Great test for Carolina. <laughs> great test for Carolina to see if she's really back against sort of, uh, you know, more of an up and coming opponent. I guess Bobita kind of fits that bill, but I think Loma even more. I think Loma has a has a good ceiling at um, at strawweight. 
And for Loma, huge veteran tests. I mean, you beat a Karolina Kovacavich uh, who's on a four-fight a four fight win streak now. Mike, she hadn't won a fight in years. And then she's on a four-fight win streak. What a whack, what a, what a grinder. I mean, gosh, you got to give her credit. What a grinder. Because I was talking retirement, I don't know, at least as probably as long as like two years ago, I was probably saying, is, is Karolina Kovacavich going to retire? Well, guess what? She's not going nowhere. And uh, goofs like me uh, have no idea what they're talking about. But I still, but so I want to see Kovacavich look with me. I'll keep calling for it. If Loma gets another fight and she wins again, guess what, Mike? And it's not in the main card. My wild card pick is going to be Loma Luke with me, Carolina Kovacavich. Spoiler. So there you go. Carolina Kovacavich is a above 500 UFC fighter. After is she this now? Win. Oh, yeah. Because, right. She dropped pretty far. She eight was. And seven. She's eight and seven. In the UFC, eight and seven, nine and eight and seven, nine and seven. Wow, something. Like she that. was four and seven. That was rough. She was four and seven. That was rough. After the Jessica Penne lost, I also have Carolina Kovacavich. Uh, the streak continues of wild card matchups that did not land together. No friends forever moment. I'm going with a rematch. AK. I'm going to try to. We're, we're Carolina's on this Andre Arlovsky ish run right now, and I'm really enjoying it. Beats Felice Herrig, then takes a big step back, then takes like a small step up, and then took a step back again from the way like they've been matchmaking her. Not a lot. Like most of these fighters are kind of in the same area. She does have a loss back in March of 2019. It was the second ever UFC on ESPN card. And this woman just got battered by Marina Rodriguez. But she holds a win over Karolina Kovalkiewicz on that card. Let's do Karolina Kovalkiewicz versus Michelle Watterson Gomez part 2 AK. What do you think about that idea? Yes, yes. Uh I've seen this called for before on the show. I think before before Michelle lost well she lost four straight now i think when she was on like a two fight losing streak i did see people saying this is the right matchup to make they're kind of trending in opposite directions i'm kind of over it now i i did <laughs> want to see it i am there was a, there was a stretch where it made a lot of sense i did want to see them run it back it probably still makes a lot of sense but i'm always i don't know i always get a little squirmy when it's like four fight win streak four fight losing streak and again i know those don't tell the stories of their of their uh you know recent run of form because look who michelle waters and gomez has been fighting look who carolina carolina has been fighting if you switch their opponents, Michelle Waters and Gomez would probably pick up a few wins against some of the opponents Carolina has beaten, and Carolina probably uh, would be out of the UFC if she had had to fight some of the opponents that uh, uh, Michelle Waters and Gomez has gone against. So I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. I don't like how it looks optically, but level of competition-wise, it certainly makes sense. I don't think Carolina is like as – it sounds so, so – like I said, I'm praising her for her toughness, but is like as – up there as a contender as her win streak says and i don't think michelle watson gomez is as bad as her losing streak says so yeah i could see them booking it especially if watson gomez starts talking retirement she she has not really if she does this would be a nice way to go out win or lose uh but yeah i'm i'm, I'm going with a fresh name but this is something the uc matchmakers would definitely take a look at yeah i just kind of want to give her some sort of meaningful name in some respects like even if it's just like Carolina wants to just try to get that get one back. You know what I mean? Just there's there's just not a lot more like Diana Belbita's for you left to fight at this point. You got to fight somebody with somewhat of a name, and I feel like this is a this is a good one. And maybe this will be the one to 
maybe send Michelle Waterson Gomez into a new line of work. Like who knows? Maybe, maybe look, maybe Michelle Waterson Gomez, this is the turnaround for her. Maybe she'll go on and win four fights in a row. If she beats Carolina Kovacavich, like this could be a crossroads fight for both women. So there you go. That's UFC Vegas. 80 AK. We will go to the peeps real quick. If you want to give the the quick disclaimer, we'll rifle through these. And let me first quickly shout out. Uh, no, I'm not giving a point, but I do want to shout out Jay Donaghy because when I was doing the preview show, I said the Dawson Green matchup was weird because I don't remember anyone asking for it, and I was wrong. I was going back to my notes. Jay Donaghy. Uh, I can't give him a point because this was two fights ago. This was before the Bobby Green Tony fight. Uh, he had called for Bobby Green versus Grant Thompson. So at some point, someone did predict that uh, this would be a, a reasonable matchup for the UFC to make, and they did. So, Jay, no point, but definitely a, a tip of the cap uh, for uh, for predicting this well ahead of time before, before this fight actually happens. So good stuff. Yes. All right, let's go right into this. Uh, no doo-doo, please. I, I, didn't, I looked. I didn't see a lot of doo-doo. Nope. So, I think it's a lot of picks in general, to be honest, uh, coming off this, uh, yeah, <laughs> this Saturday night. There weren't, there weren't a lot of submissions, so we'll get into it. JD, uh, King Green versus Dan Hooker, Dober versus Diego Fajeda or Moicano. In parentheses, I hear he wants money. Pfeiffer versus Brad Tavares. We go to Chris. Green versus Moicano. I think Moicano has the lowest chance by a long shot of any of these guys to get the Bobby Green fight. I appreciate everything Hanato Moicano has done. I really, really have. I just don't think he's going to get it. Dawson versus the Frivola Benoit Santini loser. Boy, is that a tough draw. Whoa, wait, hold loser. on. Whoa, hold on. Is that doo-doo? Why? You said Dober versus uh, oh, Santini. No, Dawson. Did I say Dawson? Dober? Oh, no, I'm, Dawson. Sorry. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I know. It's my fault. I wasn't listening. I think I heard Dober. I, I, I might have said a, Dober. There's going to be a lot know. of that, by the way. I'm probably going to be hearing Dober when you said Dawson. I'm going to be yeah. Dawson when you said Dober. Okay. Wait, is that to do <laughs> the doo-doo detector right up? Amazing. Piper versus Gregory Rodriguez. That's a popular one. I would, would not mind seeing that either. I like it. Buckley versus the Leech AK. Lee Jing Leong. Uh, why was this weird? Does Leech not have a fight or something? Why was I against this? I thought about it and then it went away from it. I can't quite remember why. I don't think he's actually booked. You would think that. Oh, no, he's got because he's, he's, he's got the, he's got an injury. Still? Got the, I don't know. I mean, it's anytime I hear, uh, it's like Mike Tyson, you know, it's, it's final. You got the yeah, final, Mike. Yeah, he's a hot minute. Yeah, he was supposed to fight Chiesa. Uh, again, I don't know how serious it is, but anytime I hear the final, I assume he's going to be out for a bit. So I just, I, I think that's why I didn't want to match it up. But uh, who knows? He could be fully recovered by the beginning of 2024. So maybe it's, uh, it's not, it's not doo-doo. I just, uh, yes. I just wanted to say the final. Uh, he went with Drew Dober versus Guram Kutatalatse. Yes, I saw that. Who was this again? This is Chris. Okay. Uh, yeah, I saw that from. I saw that as well. I like it. Kutith Latse, Drew Dober is is such a weird guy where they can either, if they want, they can book him as a contender, or they can keep rolling bodies up in front of him and just have him, you know, co-main eventing cards, opening up cards, just collecting highlights. This is how you become the uh, all-time leader at lightweight, by the way, in the UFC uh, in knockouts. Just just stay busy and fight whoever, and Kudam uh, would be fit right in there. Bill Algio versus Lerone Murphy. I, I don't hate it. I don't love it either. I feel like Lerone deserves a top 20-ish guy. And Bill could get there. I don't think he's there just yet. Mm-hmm. So I don't love this one unless Lerone just wants to stay super busy and Bill's just the best he can get. If they book it, I'm not going to be mad at it. But I think 
Lerone deserves a little bit better. Kovacavich versus Loma Lukbunmi, AK. There you go. Richie Lang versus Dwight Grant. Nate Manus versus CJ Vergara. Robbie, I know I proposed the Bobby Green versus Patty Pimblett master plan last week. But we are now dealing with title aspirations, Bobby Green. Beating Whoa. the number nine ranked guy should help set him up for a top five fight. So give him Dan Hooker. There you go. Uh, that was Robbie Ryan. He also likes Joe Pfeiffer versus Fluffy Hernandez. That was actually my first choice. The first thing I thought of was Fluffy, but he's banged up. I think the injury is, I don't know how bad it is, but I think he's going to be out for a little bit. So I don't know if we're going to be able to get this fight, but I love the idea of it. Yeah, that's a headliner. That's, that's a headliner why I didn't fight. go with that. Uh, Joaquin Buckley versus MVP, the wish fight. Uh, but the more likely fight he likes Carlson Harris or Chaos Williams. I think him and Chaos are buds. Honestly, so maybe not. I love the Buckley MVP suggestion. Um, That's fun. That'd be a great first fight for MVP. And I don't know if... Ah, man, that's a good one. Yeah. That's a good fight. Love to see it. Drew Dober versus the Patty Tony winner. (laughs) Bill Algio versus Billy Q. He might just get his call at this time. No wild card, but how about Derek Brunson going to the PFL? Interesting. Yeah. I mean, look, this is obvious. This is smart. UFC didn't want him anymore. I think Derek knew that. Derek's going to PFL. Like, this is the best place for him. It's the best place for him. So, good for everybody involved. Time was more than right. Derek Brunson wasn't getting any higher in the rankings, wasn't getting any bigger fights than he has already gotten. They've gotten everything they could out of each other, and now we'll see how Derek Brunson does. AK gets Ray Cooper the third at middleweight. Because Brunson's going fight. to 205. What happens if Ray Cooper III just lamps Derek Brunson? He definitely could. He definitely could. What if he does? Like, this is not good. This is very bad. I mean, you know, if you're Derek Brunson, you're kind of like this. So this middleweight fight coming up is kind of a state. It's just kind of to make a debut. Make a PFL debut. Kind of get ready. You know, introduce himself to the league. He's still like. It doesn't change anything, right? He still just goes up to 205. He goes before he, but if he gets lamps in his debut, like bad. Come on, in the PFL, just introduce it, him with a with like a clean win. Give Mike, him anybody, you, Mike. You can get lamped in the PFL regular <laughs> season and go on to win a million dollars. So, getting lamped in a non tournament fight, what's your mean? first what does one? Mean? What does that mean? In a, in a division that he's leaving anyway, he's leaving oh, some, no. right. He's just doing one. They don't have one eighty five tournaments, so he's doing this one eighty five fight with Ray Cooper. So Ray Cooper doing it because so he doesn't have to cut down to one seventy because he obviously freaking hates that. Uh, and then we move on to two hundred five. I, I actually think it it would be hilarious and you know regrettable for Derek Brunson, but I think he'd move on pretty quickly. Again, just moves to two hundred five. I was like, well, I took a chance. I'm done with one eighty five. And that was my one eighty five swan song. I'll see you guys later. I'm going for that one million. That's it. I think he enters Marl Mariah's territory if he gets knocked out by Ray Cooper. That's a not great territory to be in. It's not a good not. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. Good move. I, I just don't understand why it could have been like, hey, Derek Brunson's fighting in the twenty twenty four season instead of like, let's trot him right out there against a dude that could absolutely knock nah. his head into the third row. A man's gotta eat, Mike. Yeah, man's gotta true. eat. I'm fine with it. Man's gotta eat. <sighs> There's got to be somebody. There's got to be some seven and sixteen middleweight hanging around the the tri-state area that you could have brought in here. But this is why I'm not a a promoter or a matchmaker. Dad Jackson, Nate Manus versus Ode Osborne, Drew Dober versus Diego Fajeda, 
Joaquin Buckley, Cass Williams again. I think these guys are buds. I could be wrong. Uh, Pfeiffer versus Abus Magomedov. And he says, what I really want is Pfeiffer versus Michel Pajeda if he wins. I don't know if you saw this, AK. Michel Pajeda no longer fighting the number one contender for the middleweighty middleweight title, Mark andre Barriol. Instead, he's fighting Andre Petrovsky next week. Man, that is... His middleweight debut. Yeah. I saw some people, some people call for... Did I have a Pfeiffer Petrovsky? Did someone say Pfeiffer Petrovsky? Oh, what's that? Uh, oh, let me see. Sorry, I just messed up note. Uh, did I see someone call for Pfeiffer Petrovsky? I'm going to make that up. I'm going to make that up in my head. Um, yeah, I... Uh, this is if Michelle Pereira wins that he fights Pfeiffer. Was that the pick? What was the pick? Pfeiffer versus Abus. And then oh, what he really wants but... is Pfeiffer versus Pereira if Pereira wins. Okay, okay, okay. Which I like I, that idea as well. I don't like the Abus matchup at all. I think Pfeiffer is a few notches above that right now. Not not that Abus, like, you know, Abus has to get back to winning to and letting us, you know, know gives us a better idea of how good he actually is. Uh, I, yeah, Michelle, but I still feel like he's going to go back down to 170 at some point. I don't know. I don't know if he should, but I still feel like that's what he wants to do. I don't think he's done at 170. So I don't think the Pfeiffer matchup can happen anytime soon, no matter what happens in, uh, Demolador's next fight. Yes. Uh, I'm hearing Abus might have his next fight booked. Not 100% confirmed. And it's not against Joe Pfeiffer, but we'll see. Uh, he also likes Bobby Green versus Patouche Gamera. Last one, Four Corner Sports. Bobby Green versus the winner. Uh, Matt Frivola versus Benoit Saint-Denis. Or if Bobby really wants to fight in December, Bobby versus Jalen Turner. And in parentheses, the body is adamant on fighting in December. Then why not? Bobby will take the fight. Crazy stuff does happen in MMA. You never know. Why would Bobby Green fight Jalen Turner? Well, that segues nicely. I'll let you finish. But I did have someone, Justin with a Y, suggest Bobby Green versus Turner. And the winner of that gets Patty Pimblett after Patty beats Tony Ferguson. So I don't know. Something we, I don't know. I mean, it's out there. I just feel like Jalen's not going to fight at lightweight next. This is true. I don't want to see that. I don't either. I would like to see. He's a massive human being. He's I would like to see him move up. Yeah. He's a freaking welterweight. I don't know how he made 155 so many times. Uh, Grant Dawson versus Diego Fajeda. Rebook mm-hmm. that. Joe Pfeiffer mm-hmm. versus Greg Rodriguez. Joaquin Buckley versus Daniel Rodriguez. I don't mind that one. I don't mind that at all. That's a very tough test. But again, a one that would move him into the top 20. If you I would pick Joaquin Buckley in that fight, but I like it. Drew Dober versus so Dan Hooker. Uh, the final pick. AK, you're up. Yeah, all right. Um, <clears throat> uh, you read most of the popular ones, so I won't repeat them. Uh, I'll just say Bobby Green versus Hooker, I think, number one by far. Uh, I did get a couple of Pfeiffer versus Imavov, which I hadn't thought about, but I think that's a good that's a good tough matchup for him. Again, that gets him a number next to his name, for sure. Uh, Gelato Jalapeno on Twitter. Buckley versus Magny. Mike, is it time? Buckley Magny? Not yet. I kind of feel like Kevin Holland's going to get that fight. Okay. Uh, Bill Algio versus Nate Landwehr. Of course, guys, you know what? Don't send in Nate Landwehr picks anymore. We just assume we want everyone to fight Nate Landwehr. I think that is the. Uh, I don't know how many more times Nate Landwehr is going to fight in his career, but he has like 35 prospective opponents. So I hope he sticks around for a long time and we can get a lot of these matchups. But we have a featherweight main event next next week, Mike. And I guarantee people are going to be like, oh, Nate Landwehr versus, you know, uh, Sadiq, Sadiq Yusuf or Nate Landwehr versus Edson Barbosa, which are both amazing matchups. I would want both of those, but. He can only, he's a human being. He can only fight so many times. Uh, Liam Perry 
Buckley versus RDA. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, if they book that fight, that might just be a main event. That might be an apex That'd main be event. Fascinating. Because you got youth, you got youth of Buckley. He would be the larger fighter for once. And again, he's been dealing with uh with again guys at 185 for a while. He would be the larger fighter in this matchup. Yeah. But the experience and skill gap though, like I I know RDA is a better fighter than Joaquin Buckley. But I kind of feel like Vicente Luque wrote the blueprint on like how Buckley could mm. win that fight. Yeah, true. So true. just tackle him a bunch. <laughs> yeah. Just put him against Fence and then just take him down. It would be interesting if it I'll is. tell you what, if if Joaquin Buckley wants a main event, you could do far worse in the Apex. They have done far worse in the Apex than RDA versus Buckley. That's really not bad. Uh Helios suggests Buckley versus Chiesa, possible retirement fight for Chiesa. I don't know how you feel about that one. It's not bad. Not bad. But we'll let Michael Chiesa decide when he's ready to retire. Our man Francesco in Italy, Bobby Green versus Darius Sarukian, loser from UFC 296. That'd be a huge fight. Talk about, uh, you know, one win away from, you know, uh, becoming the next Jorge Masvidal. That'd be crazy. <laughs> Judober versus Joel Alvarez. Uh, Koval Kavich versus Marina Rodriguez and uh, Demopoulos. Shout out to Demo. Demopoulos versus Josephine Knudsen. And a couple from Instagram real quick. Our pal Tristan Gordet likes Demo versus uh, Yasmin Hadagi. Tough matchup, but hey, it doesn't. If you're uh, Vanessa Demopoulos, you're, you're chasing these fights. Drew Dober, uh, and he also liked Dober, Rescue did lots And Blake Lewitt uh, hasn't sent in picks in a while. Welcome back, Blake. Pfeiffer versus Murdob. Koval Kavish versus Tisha Torres. And Mike, I don't know if you mentioned this one before. Uh, Drew Dober versus Grant Dawson. Um... Yeah, I think I think it was mentioned. What do you what do you think of that? I don't mind it. I don't mind it. I kind of feel like Grant's gonna take a pretty big step back though. I don't know if he gets a Dober after this. Mm. I think he's gonna have to get like I'm trying to like figure out who it could be. But it would be like a Gurom kind of a guy. Like I think he's yeah. gonna get he's gonna get a super tough dude who's gonna be a really hard matchup for him one grant could win but this was this is really bad for grant dawson like this is really bad this is a really bad loss i don't know yeah. if he can come back from this one man like i know he's not like super he's not like he's 40 or anything but it's already a super hard climb to get to where he was and then just getting lamped like that Against a guy who wasn't even ranked, I don't think. Bobby Green wasn't even ranked, was he? I don't think so. I mean, with all these killers, it's going to take him... It's going gonna, it's gonna to take him like three years of like killing people to get back to even sniffing the title conversation at this point. And imagine if like the, some of these Bellator lightweights come over too. Like if Usman or Magomedov comes over... This road is going to be a really long one. It is so tough. Like, if you don't have it all, like, if you don't have the skills, like, if you're not a five-tool lightweight, it is just awful. It is a tough, tough road to get to the top. Bobby Green may not be a five-tool lightweight, but he's got a whole bunch of them, 
and he's got maybe the most important one. People like him. He's entertaining on the microphone. People care what he has to say. And sometimes that's the most important thing. And that's just one thing Grant hasn't been able to get. Everyone respects his fighting style. They just don't feel like they can relate to him like they can Bobby Green. You know what I mean? Like, just a weird thing. And Bobby has those important tools that even if he loses, like, he's never really out of the picture. But Grant, boy, man. It's just, it's incredible to think how we were talking about him in the preview show to where he's at after this <laughs> loss, man. It's bad. It's a really bad loss. It's a cruel game, isn't it, MMA? Super because cruel. So Dawson, 8-0-1 heading into this fight. Uh, three wins and a draw at lightweight. 21-1 uh, and overall uh, heading into it. Uh, there's some catch rate bouts. He did have trouble with featherweight. And lightweight, he also missed weight once. He had the sixth longest... UFC unbeaten streak behind Magomed Ankalaev and Bilal Muhammad, both at 10, uh, Leon Edwards and Islam, both at 12, and John Jones at 19 straight uh, undefeated. He was like, that's a great list to be part of. And obviously, that's over now. Now you can just delete all that. He's not even, he doesn't have the unbeaten streak anymore. But like, that's where he was before the fight. And then you take one really bad loss. We'll say it again. It's a really bad loss. And suddenly you're, we're talking about, man, maybe you never reach. Maybe you're out of title talks altogether. It it is it is again. I wouldn't one way or another. This is a career changing result for Grant Dawson. It either, like you said, maybe removes him from that uh, top ten contention uh, for the rest of his career, or he bounces back from this and comes back stronger than ever and becomes a uh, a world champion or like a world title contender. It's it could go either way, and neither result would surprise me. Yeah, that's crazy, man. It's cruel, cruel game, AK. Do you have anything else? No, that is it. Okay. Well, you know how to submit your picks at this point. It's almost (laughs) impossible to get not no point now, which is wild to think about. But I think even the shared points are are just fun and exciting, and we get something from this. So what do we have next week? Because it's the go home show for UFC 294. A nice tight 11 fights, AK. The main event. Sadiq Yusuf. Versus Edson Barboza. We have Jennifer Maya versus Viviani Arujo. Finally. UFC finally. Vegas like 81, this, by the way. I feel like this has been matched up like 50 times. We have Jonathan Martinez, the silence behind the violence uh-huh. against Adrian Yanez. Yanez. We're going with Yanez. Has he said he wants Yanez now? That's, how, that's what it is. That's his. Pronoun- he, that's how it's supposed to be pronounced. Okay, I thought he had said in interviews he he didn't care, but because because there is that that was always there. The accent was over it, and people were yeah. like Yanez. And now, okay, yeah, I will go Yanez now. I'm yeah, I don't think it. he cares, but that's how you actually pronounce it. Good, Christian Rodriguez, Cameron Simon, sick fight. Love this fight. We get the rematch of all rematches. AK. No, 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 no. I mean, look, we could be getting Amanda Nunes, Chris Cyborg 2, and all these other things. We could get Ronda Rousey, Holly Holm 2, and like all these incredible rematches. But instead, we get the peak rematch. Edgar Chirez, Daniel Lacerda 2. Let's see what happens this time around. Maybe we have a different referee. Mike, uh, Michelle Pereira, Andre Petrosky, Arena Alexeva, Melissa Dixon. Bantamweights, AK. That's a Bantamweight fight. Women's Bantamweight, official one. Wow. <laughs> Ashley Yoder, Emily Dakoti, Darren Elkins, TJ Brown, Tainara Lisboa, 
Ravenna Oliveira. Another bantamweight what? fight, AK. That's two women's bantamweight fights. This is insane. So in total, men and women, five. We look five bantamweight fights in this card. We have a lot of bantamweight fights. That's insane. This is maybe the best card ever. And speaking of bantamweights, Chris Gutierrez, Alateng, Haley. That's UFC Vegas eighty one. Eleven. Did fights. you mention the immortal? Sorry, did you mention the immortal Ashley Yoder? Ashley Yoder, Emily Dakota, yes. And Emily Dakota. Okay. Uh, just people look up Ashley Yoder's record and just it's just insane. I don't know what we're doing. Nice title eleven fights, AK. This is I think this is gonna be a breezy one. We might even lose a fight along the way. I hope we don't, but we might lose one. We're supposed to get Terrence McKinney, Chris Duncan on this card, which would have been a nice one. Yeah, that's not happening now, right? Yeah. No, that's off. Duncan's out, right? Duncan's the one who had to pull out. Ah, right? uh, yeah, he had some some travel issues. We were supposed to get a uh, yeah. David Dvorak, Tetsuro Tyro is also supposed to be up. I don't player. love this card on paper. Usually, by the time Friday rolls around, I've done my research and all that stuff. I can t- I'll, I've I'll, you know I'm at the point where I'm talking myself into it. But I do not like this card. I think on paper this is, and, and I love bantamweights, men and women. We all know this. This is not a secret. I love bantamweights. You would think a card loaded with bantamweights would be right at the top of my list. Is this card yes. better than eighty? No, I thought I actually liked eighty on paper, I and I think, think this one's better. I've heard people say that. I've I've seen people comparing these two cards because we have nothing better to do. I like eighty more. I like eighty more. Uh, I did want. It did hurt me to lose the Linz Kuchalava matchup. I feel like I'm joking, but like again, the potential for chaos there was just so high. Yeah. Um. But I also just like the matchups. I, I, I like the matchups. I, I know some people will be disappointed, like, oh, Buckley didn't get a knockout, or, uh, you know, the main card opener, Aljo Hernandez, went to decision. And um, listen, guys, this is what happens when you match up people who are, like, of relatively equal quality. You get decisions. I'm sorry, but you get good decisions. You get quality, educational, often entertaining decisions. Uh, just because you didn't get a big bang, bang finish doesn't mean it was a bad fight. So I liked the matchups on paper on Vegas 80. I actually thought it played out exactly at, at the le- i think it reached the level that you could expect um so maybe maybe 81 will surprise me this is a maybe way more me. competitive card than 80 was yeah 80 was very squash matchy in a yeah. lot of respects we had i mean we had there were some competitive fights but like this one like i think was tidoralis boa is the biggest favorite on the card edgar chira is a big favorite cody's a big how, favorite how high a favorite is 10 hour Boa? boa minus 380 as of right now wow I mean, I know uh, Ravena Oliveira is, a, is a, you know, a not well-known, but wow, that's a big favorite for Tainara Lisboa, who is, I have to look this up, 1-0 in the UFC, 6-2, and two, and she's plus 3, she's minus 380? Minus 380. Emily Ducote, Jeez. minus 285 against the immortal <laughs> Ashley Yoder. Edgar Chires, minus 278 favorite. Everything else pretty close here. Martinez and Yanez is a complete pick'em. Minus one ten, minus one ten. Mayo minus one fifty five over Arujo. Christian Rodriguez minus one thirty over Cameron Simon. And Sadiq Yusuf minus one sixty six. The comeback on it's a Barbosa plus one forty. I kind of feel like that line's going to be closer. Slight under wow underdog for Barbosa. Yeah, this is a much more competitive card than, than I did not was. bet on this weekend's card, but maybe I'm going to have to bet on this card because I'm going to be on freaking no bets barred this Ooh, week. Oh, so. there we go. So I have to start thinking of some bets. I'm, I'm looking <laughs> at uh, I'm looking at some of the betting value here. There's I think there's some spicy ones as we famous look at last them. Words. These are famous last words. 
look, I'm just going to clean up. Let me do what I always do. I'm going to go up like six units on the prelims and I'm going to overexpose myself on like three main card <laughs> fights and I end up down like four units at the end. Like that's just going to happen. That's how so it happens with all these cards. Yes. Yeah, so and then we'll get, I have to bet on two straight events because I got no bets barred this week. And then with the watch parties, I bet on the watch party card that now. So, oh, man. Oh man, that's a good one though. Two ninety four. There's 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 some fun parlays, gimmick parlays. I feel like on that card. Oh yeah, there's a lot of different yeah different gimmicks. So I think you're uh, right. So there you go. Double header done. UFC Vegas eighty one next week on the road to UFC two ninety four, and then it's like the stretch of hey, we got two ninety four, and then three weeks later we get two ninety five, and then we get ready for two ninety six, which might be the best card of the year on paper. It's going to be a crazy fourth quarter for fight fans, especially with the UFC. I'm pretty excited as well. I think 80 and 81 are kind of chill. Like, I, I kind of like that we get to chill. Like, chill for a couple of weeks. Like, nothing super high stakes on this card. It's the All-Star break. Card. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Yeah, it's the All-Star break. And, and the All-Star break featured. If the All-Star break <laughs> featured, like... You know, I'm not going to name any names because it's just going to hurt people's feelings. Oh, man. All right. Well, we are done. Uh, Hopefully we didn't hurt your feelings this week. We will try harder next week after UFC Vegas 81. Thank you very much. For AK, I am Mike Heck. Always remember the golden rule. Don't take this stuff too seriously. MMA is supposed to be fun, and we'll have more fun following UFC Vegas 81 right here on On to the Next One, the podcast. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.